We're continuing our series of establishing the testimony of God through everything we do. This is the word that the Lord spoke to us this year. You must push, you must press, you must push, you must pursue until, until you've established the testimony of God through everything you do. This is the word for 218. And as a house this, house this year, that's exactly what we'll do. All our actions, all our intent, all our prayer will be to establish and keep establishing this testimony. Amen. Amen. And when we get testimonies, it's important that we hear what God is doing. Now, don't tell me you Veruca. God healed you Veruca. Don't expect to come up to us on a Sunday morning and just say, give me a microphone. You come to us a week before so we can prepare you what to say and how to say it. Because a testimony, if it's, in, if it's a real good inspiring testimony and you sit there like that, it's not inspiring us. If it's worth, if it inspired you, therefore then, let inspiration come out of your mouth. <laughs> Look at him. It's true. If I've got some exciting news to tell you, and I tell it in a boring way, it wasn't, it, so it wasn't that exciting then, was it? Come on. You know, the problem with modern society is we know the price of everything, but the value of nothing. That is true. We know the price of everything, but we know the value of nothing. And that's going to get our society in trouble and has got us in trouble. You see, the reason why that is because the values of governments and society, economics, sociology, all the the things that determine our society, apologetics, all those things, education, they keep shifting. They shift and change. And the moment that does, when you shift and drift, actually when you shift, you drift. When you wonder, you wane. You've got to stay fixed to something. If it's valuable, you stick to it. Because the moment that value changes, you will negotiate and surrender and it's gone. And you know, the thing that always gets me is today, the value of life is so unpredictable. I see a woman who loses a child, she's distraught, she'll do anything to get that child back. And then I see a man go down the road this week, gets caught by the police, a docking big knife, and willingly will will use it anywhere, anytime, anyplace. So where one woman is, is, is... Give me my son, give me my daughter, where is she? I'm frantic. Another one says, I'll take life because it's cheap. Then you get to the human, you get to the courts, and then they say, he's got life in prison. But we all know life in prison doesn't mean life in prison, or not always. And then you go to the American court system, and they say, he's got three life sentences. Just give him one life sentence, mean what you say, and you won't need three. Death row never means death row. So things keep shifting. So the question is, what do you really value? What do you? We can't say what we value. As a leadership, we have to agree on what we value. And then we present what we value to you, and the Holy Spirit witnesses it. That's if it's in line with his word. True? But you must individually know what you value. Because you'll never, don't fight for the wrong things. Don't stand for the wrong things. And don't be sat down when you should be stood up. 
And don't be stood up when you should be sat down. You must know. So let's, let's assume everyone in here today is a Christian. Because I'm not making that assumption. And then let's assume that you're the right kind of Christian. Because depending where you are in the world, if you're not a Muslim or you're not a, a Jew, they'll call you either one or two things, a Gentile or a Christian. That doesn't mean to say you're the same kind of Bible-believing Christian. But here we are, we're not, we're not in that environment, we're in church, so let's just say you're all Christians. But what type of Christian you are will vary. It shouldn't do, but sadly it does. Why does it value? Because you value different things. Some things you don't hold to, other things you do. We can have a God conscience to come to church, but not one to walk with him. It's true. We must work with him and him with us until his testimony is fully established. It says in the Bible that we are epistles known and read by everyone. That's a testimony. We're seen, we're known, we're models. We are the model, not that they were boasting, but they were saying that we are, if you want to look at Christ, look at us. That is an amazing thing to be able to say. Is it not? So what do you personally place value on? Good question. I'm glad you asked, Tony. Because here's the thing I've realized about life. Life will get you to compromise, negotiate, and become hijacked. Now, if my kids keep like a constant um, tap dripping and they want something and want something, after a while, they grind you down, do they not? They get you to compromise. So eventually, you give in to them and say, just take it, get out my road. You compromised your value at that point. Then... God says, stand for something. So you get a job, you end up working, you end up now getting your hands tied, and now you have to compromise, and you say it like, well, it's not my fault, I've got to work. No, you took the job. You took the job. You got married in that relationship. Now, she doesn't want me to go to church, he doesn't want me to go to church, he doesn't want me, we can't tithe because it's, he says it's our money, his money. She can't tithe because he says it's her money. And you got yourself in these places, you compromised, and you end up becoming, you negotiated your feelings. His feelings, or your feelings for him, and your feelings for that person. We do this. We do this. We can't complain. And you say, well, I have to. I love her. Or I have to go to work. No one's, no one's decrying you have to go to work. Man needs to go to work. But you chose the job. You're not the only person who's ever had to live like that. I had to fight that monster. But thank God I did. So compromise, negotiating, becoming hijacked is very, very serious. That's why we read last week that the grace of God teaches us to say 
I'll ask this side, because this side answered it. The grace of God teaches us to say, to what? Ungodliness. Things that will trap us, things that will devalue, things that will compromise us, things that will negotiate, things that will put us in a prison. The power to say no is in your mouth, given to you through the grace of God. You must see what your future needs. And then move towards it, Kesarah, Sarah. Now, there are two distinct things. You might want to write this down. There are two distinct things that you must never, ever, 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 ever negotiate, compromise, or become hijacked in. Do you know what they are? Truth and light. Truth and light. Psalm 43, 3 says this. Send forth your light and your truth. Let them guide me. Let them bring me to your holy mountain, to the place where you dwell. So where is truth and light? Where does it reside? Reading that scripture, where does truth and light reside? Where he dwells. If you want truth and light, you've got to be where he dwells. Truth and light bring you closer to him. You can say amen if you want this morning. Just let me know you're still awake. Let them guide me. Let them bring me to your holy mountain, to the place where you dwell. Then I will go to the altar of God, to God, my joy and my delight. I'll praise you with the harp, oh God. My God, there's so much in this verse. I don't have time. There's so much in this verse. Here's a man who prays, send me your truth. So your light and your truth. Why? Because the two things he doesn't have at this point in time, and he wants that light and that truth to guide him so he can say no to some things. True? So, millions of people, millions of believers worldwide will compromise light and truth for darkness. Oh, they won't call it darkness. But it's, if it's not light, it's not light, is it? If it's not truth, there's no such thing as the half-truth. Truth is truth. Lie is a lie. Light is light. Darkness is darkness. A lie is a lie. There are no 50 shades of grey when it comes to truth and light. Darkness. They are what they are. So, truth will bring you to God's presence. It will bring you before God's presence. This morning, when I was leading worship, and Phil and Paul and John shared what they shared, did they present truth? Did it witness? At some point you went, oh Lord, you've sussed me out. Lord, did, did light shine on your situation? Was light given to you? Right. From light came hope. And when hope Hope came when light and truth turned up this morning. Change happened. 
Change comes about. Light and truth must bring you before his presence. Because in God there is no lies. Truth and light is where God himself dwells. There is no darkness in God. Now, time and time and time again, you read through your Bible, it says God, darkness surrounds him. Don't be confused by that. Being surrounded and darkness being in you is two different. I'm surrounded by darkness. I'm surrounded by darkness. But darkness is not inside me. I live in Egypt, but Egypt is not in me. So don't be confused about being surrounded. Be more confused about what enters in. God, God is okay with darkness being around him because he is the light. True? Before, the, before he sent the light, there was darkness on the earth. So don't worry about darkness. Darkness is not in him and make sure it's not in you. So true light, truth and light is where... And why you must make your sacrifice. You make your sacrifice where? At the altar. And why do you make your sacrifice? Because you want truth and light. When truth and light come into your life, you automatically shows you internally what's in your heart. And you instantly go, Lord, it's yours. I want to go to the altar. He says, bring me to your holy mountain, to the place where you Then I will go to the altar. Why? Because I want to make a sacrifice. Once I see you, I see your light and I hear your truth, everything inside of me wants to present something to you. Then I go to the altar. My joy and my delight. Did he, get, did he go to the altar being dragged, screaming? No. He wanted to be taken to this place. Church, if we're going to push and press in and pursue God so that his testimony is established for everything we do. We need truth and light constantly to keep taking us to his altar. And it's got to become your joy and your delight. If, you don't, if you're fighting, if you're hiding sin, then you will never want to go to the altar. You know, I know that because I've been there. But God shines his light on us and instantly go, oh Lord. And there's something about God's light that when he shines his light on us, he doesn't condemn us. He's saying, I can take that away from you, son, if you want. If you walk in the light as we're in the light, then we'll have fellowship with one another. That's what we mean about having wrong, when we said no to wrong fellowship. I want fellowship with the Holy Ghost. Amen? And I'll praise you with the harp. In other words, I'll find something to make a racket. I'll find something. Even if I play the wrong chord, it doesn't matter. I'll, I'll get the right chords. Even at the wrong notes, it doesn't matter. I'll find something to make a noise. My mother used to say to me, Tony, you're never quiet. I was born to praise. I was just born to praise. I never could keep my mouth shut. Never could get the right words, but I never could get, keep my mouth shut. Why? I'm just born to sing, not perform. If you want, to perform, if you want me to perform, I, could have been made, I wasn't made a seal. So, Sam... Psalm 89 verse 15. Blessed are those who have learned to acclaim you, who walk in the light of your presence. O Lord, they rejoice in your name all day long. They exalt you in righteousness, for you are their glory and strength, and by your favor you exalt our own. 
There's something about praise and worship. You can't praise and worship without light. I can never expect you to open up your heart if you've got secret sins. If you've got secret hidden sins, you'll never come in open abandonment and open up your heart. Why? Because you know what he knows. And you'll conceal it. But you can't hide it. Why? Because then he says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light for my path. The truth and light go together. If you compromise truth, there's so many churches compromising truth to keep the crowd. Oh, it's, hey, it's, the Bible has a lot to say about defending this truth, standing up for this truth. Because if you've got, let's just say, let's just say you've got a building and it's a roughly, relatively new building could be five years old, and it costs millions of dollars. And you need it being paid for. The chances are you're not going to rock the boat with your messages. Why? Because you've got to pay a mortgage. And guess what? You're the paycheck. So people then reduce the message to fit the audience. This is what happens. Or what they'll do is 20 people might walk out because you have a stance on something. They've got family in the church and they say to you, we want you to marry such and such a body. And you say, no, because why? Because that's not what we believe. And they say, right, well, then we're walking out. And at that point, you think, I'm going to lose 20 people, 30 people, whatever it is, depending on what they're in for. Because there's always a church mafia. There's always a royal family in every church. And the point is, at that point, you can, be, you can compromise the truth. I remember once being upstairs in that back room and the musicians at the time, you remember this, Claire, you were there. And, they, and all we asked them to do was put ties on. In that time, men wore ties. So we said, look, we're going to have a national conference. We just want you to wear a tie, present yourself. And there was this holy kerfuffle. There was a holy, I'm telling you, there was a holy kerfuffle went on in that room. And we got accused of manipulation. I just just wear a tie. So we're asking you, we're going to be, you know, we're going to be going national with this conference. Just don't look like a scuffer. Just put a tie on. Well, it went mad. And it got to the point where all the musicians turned around and said, we're leaving. All because of the tie. And I heard the Holy Spirit, like you're hearing me now, says, don't you back down. And I thought, oh, okay. I said, no, that's, the, that's the, the request. So they all walked out, and I thought we'd lost all the musicians, and I'm just about to go and tell my pastor, got some good news and bad news. <laughs> the bad news, some of those people have left. The good news is there's no more bad news. <laughs> and I left it two days, and I got a phone call, and then all of a sudden a phone call says, well, I'm sorry, I was a bit of a dipstick the other day. Yes, she was. Uh, I will wear a tie. Right, why do we need all that? Can you imagine if I had backed down at that point? I didn't back down because I could have compromised a value. I wasn't being stubborn. The Holy Spirit said, don't do it. So I didn't do it. And I stood for what I believed. And uh, there'll always be times when you will get your back against a wall. It could be a relationship, it could be anything. But the Holy Ghost will say, son, this is a time you need to back down. 
because you're wrong, or this is a time when you don't back down. You must know the difference. Light will show you what to do. Truth will guide you in what to do. So light for your path. Do you know the difference between light uh, for your path and light for your feet? Light for your feet just helps you your instant, your immediate steps. But light for your path shows you your destiny. So you need light for you to overcome the obstacles in front of your eyes. But you also need, that's why I said lift up your eyes. You need light to see where you're going, where the Lord is leading. So it's not just light for your feet, it's light for your path. Because the light for your path is where you need guiding. It's where you need the truth. You can see what's immediately in front of you, can't you? So you can make a conclusion. But to know your destiny, that's why we say no to not having a clear sense of destiny. We need light and truth for our clear sense of destiny. And God provides this for us. So let's go to Psalm 139. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light becomes night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. Everybody see that? That clarifies what I was saying just a few minutes ago. For you created my innermost being. How many of you believe that? When God created your innermost being, you weren't even around. There was darkness over your life. But yet God with his light saw you. And this is what he says. Are you ready for this? You knitted me in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully, wonderful made. Now stop there. You need light and truth to understand that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Let's continue. All your works are wonderful. I know that full well. How does he know that? Because he's got light and truth. Let's carry on. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. The secret place was not revealed to anyone, but God, because he's got light, could see you there. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before, any, before one of them came to be. Right. How many of you believe that your... The, the, uh, sorry, all the days ordained for you are written in his book. Yes. Do you believe that? Yes. Are you sure? Yes. Are you convinced? Yes. If you know that, then you need, how much more then do you need light and truth to know what's ordained for you? Yes. How will you know what's been ordained for you, what is legally yours? If you don't have light and truth continually guiding you. It's been written, but you know what? There's also some bad stuff written. Because if I'm making my report about this lady, and I know her intimately like God knows her, I know on the right-hand side, this is what's ordained for her. But I also know, because I'm God and I see the end and the beginning, I also know the choices she will make. True? So, what's been ordained We only interpret that as beautiful. There is an outcome to what's been ordained. He didn't turn around and say, all the days ordained for you were written in this book. You might be rebellious. If I'm reading Judas Iscariot's book, or I'm reading Pharaoh's book, or I'm reading some of the kings that once started out walking in light, what's it going to say in that book? This is why I need truth and light to guide me 
so I can press, push, and pursue God so I can establish the testimony of God through everything I do. I need his light and his truth. I cannot compromise on those two things, and neither must you. If I compromise, and I might not like what the Word tells me to do. How many of you always love everything the Lord tells you to do? Not me. I don't like everything the Lord tells me not to do, and I don't necessarily appreciate everything he asks me to do. But I do it nonetheless. And God will ask you to see what is your response. God doesn't want that kid that always says, oh, 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 all right, then I'll do it. And you're kicking, the, you're kicking every can in the street while you're on the way to call obedience. <laughs> That's not what God wants, is it? Can you imagine the father saying, oh, look at this, look at this boy. I'll give him a slap. No, 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 we love him. That's why there's not a mother up there. All the days for me. How many of you know you've got some ordained days? For me, for you, for us. And it's the ordained days for us. It's not easy to say this. Ordained days. These ordained days for us is what I want you to try and grasp. Because there's a reason why your backside is sat on this chair. But the good news is, the good news is the operation's coming this year where flesh and blood will separate from material and it will rise and it will move towards its destiny. Because you was not made for this seat. This seat doesn't have your name on it. This seat is just a seat. Yes? This seat is not part of your destiny. It's just a seat. We will replace this. We might replace you. You never know. Or you might replace us. How many people think Darkness will hide them. So many people in our world think their darkness will hide them. It doesn't. It might hide you for a while, but eventually beware your sins will find you out. Sin is darkness. But God is light, as we've just read. You can't hide. You might, though you're hiding darkness, though you may function in darkness... God, through light, can see into your darkness. It only takes, a, it only takes a, a torch to shine into darkness. Because God, his light, his light exposes the darkness so truth can reach your innermost parts. I love that about God. One word from God, game over. One word. All the days ordained for me are written in your book, but it will take truth and light together to show you what has been ordained for your life. That's why God does not want you to walk around, stumble in darkness. There's light for you. You can know the future. Okay, Sarah, Sarah. It is ours to see. But in the song, she said, it's not ours to see. Ignore the song. The future is ours to see. And we see it not through tarot cards, not through mediums, not through all that kind of stuff. We see it through the Word. Because the Word is a person. He speaks to us. Amen? Psalm 119, verse 130 says, At the unfolding of your Word gives light. So when God begins to give you understanding, that's the unfolding. The more 
understanding you have, God is unfolding his word to you in that area. Yes? So how many times have you read a scripture and you've never understood it? And you think, oh, I've read this scripture a million times, so you brush over it in your quiet time, but you don't get the understanding, but you got familiarity, but you didn't get the understanding. We've all done it. And sometimes there's a piece of scripture and you think, I don't understand this scripture, it just makes no sense to me. And then all of a sudden you get an inkling of understanding. Now, God is beginning to unfold his word to you in that area. Yeah? And it gives understanding to the simple. Well, I'm a simple man. I am a simple man. Not simple as in... I'm simple in the way I approach things. I'm simple in my understanding. I don't need diaflutis of the new gag. I don't need the foo-foo valve, you know, removing... I just, I'm simple. I pick a book up. There's some books I keep saying to Phil. I'm reading a book right now which, which is way over my pay grade. There's more letters, there's more words on this book than I ever knew existed. But I don't let that deter me. What I don't understand, I don't understand. What I do understand, I understand. But sometimes you've got to read some big boy books to get some new language. I'm beyond seeing it and doing all that now. I'm getting into big words. So the commands of the Lord, so it says in Proverbs 6.23, for these commands are a lamp. This teaching is a light. Yes? And the correction of discipline are the way of life. Oh, that's the word we don't like. Keeping you from immoral women. Now, sorry, ladies, he uses the word immoral women. It's not saying all women are immoral. Keeping you from immoral women from the smooth tongue of the wayward wife. Anybody got a wayward wife? <laughs> a smooth tongue wayward wife. Yeah? I've got a wife with a mouth. She's got an husband with one. Sometimes it's smooth. Sometimes it can be wayward. And that's why I need my wife to put me back in order. That's why I need my wife with light and truth to bring my wayward smooth talking back into a line. Because I don't know about you, I've got this propensity. I know Phil likes that word. That's another one I got from the big, book, big books. Right? Innate propensity to go a little bit wayward at times. Especially when emotions are fueling. And the wife has to go, shut it! That's the word of the Lord. Shut it! Don't talk to me like that. And then the other word comes in, or else. Followed by an action. It's amazing how it can bring you into alignment. <laughs> but there isn't a man or woman in here who doesn't need to be delivered from a smooth tongue and a wayward life. Yeah. I said life, not wife. Because yeah. my wife's not wayward. So, let me give you a warning. Can I give you a warning? Yeah. Are you ready for a warning? Ready for a smack? Yeah. From the word, not from me. <laughs> No one lights a lamp, in Luke chapter 11, verse 33, no one lights a lamp. How many? No one. No one lights a lamp and puts it in place where it will be hidden. Unless they call a Christian. Or under a bowl. Instead, it puts it on a stand so that those who come in may see the light. Your eye is the lamp of your body. How many would you agree? Your eye is the lamp of your body. When your eyes are good, your whole body is also full of light. Just stop there. Let's just pause there for a second. So the Bible tells us when our eyes are good, 
when our eyes are good. So what's your eyesight? See, my eyes are good even though I've got glasses. I take them off and I think, you're all just gone blurred now. I can see you. I only know who you are because I've got your social security number. No, I haven't got your social security number. I only know who you are because I know who you are. But if you all just went, played musical chairs and changed around, I might be going, all right, Emma. (laughs) Seriously, my eyes physically may not be great. They're not bad, but they're not great. But my spiritual eyes are good. I can walk into a room and I can perceive. I can ascertain. I can assess. Not always right, not always wrong. When I'm wrong, I'm wrong. When I'm right, I'm right. The thing is, I've got good spiritual eyes. I know what's wrong to a degree. It's now my choice now to make an adjustment. It's not that I didn't see it. I did see it. Why? Because the eyes of my, the, the lamp of my body is in good shape. Why? Because constantly truth and light lead me. I'm at his altar regularly. Okay. So my body's full of light. But when they're bad, your body is also full of darkness. See to it then that the light within you is not darkness. Therefore, if your whole body is full of light and no part of it is dark, it will be completely lighted. Woo, lit. Don't sound a good word, that does it, lighted. Lit. They need to, this book needs another book to help it in its grammar. As when the light of a lamp shines on you. So if your whole body is full of light and no part of it is dark, it will be completely lighted as when the light of a lamp shines upon you. I want to be light. I want to shine. Phil says about me, I like bright things. I like shiny, bright, light things. I'm attracted to shiny, bright things. It's just like a magpie, he says. He's just drawn to it. I don't know just why, because it's a reflection of me. I like bright, light things. But when I'm sinning, I don't like bright, light things. I want things that will blend in so I don't stand out. We're all capable of sinning. We're all capable of being disobedient. God knows that and has factored that into the the plan of salvation. Don't you rely on that. Because no, he said there's pleasures in sin. And if you start sinning, thinking it's okay, I'll be forgiven, you've missed the point. You've missed the point. No light No one lights a lamp and puts it in a place where it will be hidden. This is the inference of this whole scripture here. You must shine. God gave you light so that your light can be shone for him. Amen? 2 Corinthians 4.16 For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine into our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. And we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. The light that you have is not from your intelligence. The light that you have is from the all-surpassing power through Jesus Christ given to you. How many of you agree with that? We've got it through the knowledge of the glory of God. In the face of Christ. Because as we look in the face of Christ, the face of Christ is light. 
and it's truth. That's why he says, follow me. No one can see the Father unless he first comes to me. Why? Because I'm the light. I reflect the Father. I am the exact image and nature of the Father. How many of you believe that? So, where does this treasure sit? Hmm. For God said, let this light shine out of darkness. Made this light to shine in our hearts. Let's, so there's a key there, our hearts. But let's put another word on this word, heart. It's called your conscience. Your conscience. Hmm. You might want to write these down. Our conscience has the power to receive light, truth, and unfortunately, darkness. Your new nature, your new conscience of God, light and truth. But your flesh and blood also has the power to receive darkness and sin. So there's a conscience. This is the thing that must be guarded within you. This is where truth and light sit in your conscience. Mm. Next thing, our conscience, not only does it receive, your conscience also has the power to perceive. So your conscience can think and understand. It can think and it can understand. Your conscience must be guarded at all times. Number three, your conscience has the power and capacity to retain. Now, when you get older, your memory fails you. So the wife tells me. The wife tells me, you're forgetting about this, you're getting old. Well, that's two of us. We're both getting old. So my brain has the power to retain. Sorry, my conscience has the power to retain. So God is able for me, you know, it's like it can store. It can store images. Now, how many of you know that when you get the wrong images in your mind, it can be troublesome? My conscience tells me to, my new conscience tells me to push it away. Because it's darkness trying to enter in. Yes? That's why the Bible says we we take every thought captive. And we try and make it obedient. Now, so when darkness tries to penetrate into my conscience with images, feelings, emotions, this truth and light tells me something's trying to violate you. So it now tells me, it warns me, push it away. Don't accept it. Don't dwell on it. Don't feed it. You see this? It's my conscience because I've, retrained, because I've retained the light of God and the truth of God. My conscience teaches me. It retains. It's amazing how unpleasant thoughts seem to store in your mind and at certain moments, sounds, music, whatever it is, smells instantly. They can bring back, come back to you and it can, it can floor you. Depending on the power of the emotion involved. And your conscience then has to say, but that was the past. That's not going to derail me. No, that's not my past. I refuse to let my past speak to me. In the name of Jesus, shut up. 
All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one ever came to be. Before my, you know, and you've got to start quoting the word. You've got to remind yourself. Get yourself out of darkness. Get yourself out of darkness and stand back on the light and then start moving towards your future. You have to do this. But your conscience can be violated. So next to retain, put the word violated. And next to inviolated, put the word inspired. Your conscience can be inspired through the word of the Holy Ghost. How many of you know that? It can be, you can be inspired through the Holy Ghost. I know that. That's why I meditate on God's thoughts, I become inspired. Yeah. It all depends on what you think on. So I can either be violated or I can be inspired. The conscience of God, you know what else he does? It remembers. Yeah. That's why you have problems sometimes Believing who you are because your memory catches up and then it violates your, conference, uh, your conscience. Our conscience understands. Yeah? All that God is doing and saying. It understands. I understand what God's doing. I understand what he's doing in me. I don't necessarily understand what he's doing beyond me, but I know what he's doing inside of me. And because I know what he's doing inside of me, I have an element of understanding. And that's why I have light for that path. Because I can see what he's doing. See what I'm saying? So, your inner conscience is the alarm clock. It's the alarm clock. So what happens is, it shows you, it's the internal alarm clock that shows you and reminds you that you've just walked out the light. Remember that. It reminds you that you've just walked out the light. In other words, it says, Tony, one more step and you're going to go beyond the boundary. One more step, son, and you know you're in dangerous ground. Yeah, but, but, but. And then the, 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 the eyes, the lust of the eyes and the lust of the flesh and blood push you to that boundary. But then your conscience says, one more step, son, you're gone. One more step. So what happens is, is... There, is truth deposit, there has been truth deposited inside your heart. Is, it, is that not true? And our conscience is part of that truth. Yes? It's almost like the software that makes the truth work in you. And we're part of this truth. The truth is part of us and we're part of this truth. It's this truth that's actually reforming us, regenerating us. Yeah? Truth regenerates us. And that's why the more we, let, we allow the light to enter us, the more we're regenerated. Yeah? And when I walk out of that light, and my inner conscience is violated, there's an alarm system that rings. Now, what happens is, is when you are quick to respond, some of you wake up in the morning, or some of us wake up in the morning, and the alarm doesn't have to ring very long before you respond. Yes? Other times, it can go on and on, and then you just hit it or throw it against the wall. <laughs> and your alarm clock is like the devil in the morning. It's, it harasses you, <laughs> right? But the alarm clock is our friend because it's good for us. It, it gives us order. It tells us that the responsibilities of the day start the moment I, 
annoy you. The moment I speak to you, the, the responsibilities of the day now start and you must now rise up and be responsible to your responsibilities. So I get up, or what I say is, I'll just have two more, two more minutes, okay. So what we do is we put the alarm clock, we say to the alarm clock, yes, I hear you, yes, I'm responding to you, but just give me two, and we plead for it, we negotiate, we compromise. Do we not? And eventually, our own sleep hijacks us, and we go into five minutes, ten minutes, an hour late, and then we have to make that apologetic phone call to our boss, won't be in today, feeling a bit sick. So now you've lied. So what happens is, the alarm clock speaks, you get up, you shut it down, and you're on. You get on with the rest of your day. It did the job. But what happens is, is where your conscience is concerned, it rings and rings and rings, but you have the power to ignore it. You have the power to ignore it. So you keep walking further and further, and you become less and less sensitive. So you need a louder voice or a louder machine. And the further you walk away and keep ignoring it, you can become dull in that area of your conscience. Now, at this point, does that mean the Holy Spirit stops talking to us? No, it just means that the Holy Spirit can't speak to you, listen, in that area. So God will allow you to keep going down that path because he says, I can't speak to you in that area. How many of you know you've got children in these areas they won't let you speak into. You're no different with God. I've got children, you've got children, and at certain stages of the life, they allow you to speak into certain areas. And both ways. That's how it is with God. We can walk and walk and walk and walk until eventually God stops speaking. And you think, oh, he's forgot now. He's forgot. I'm all right. I'm free. He doesn't speak to me. No, I'm fine. I've got sin in that area in my life. God's okay because he hasn't spoke to me for the last 10 years on this area. You dipstick. That does not mean to say God is okay with what you're doing. It means you have become hard of hearing in that area. Ah, really? Yes. Creating me a clean heart. Let your truth and light bring me to your altar. Let them bring me to your altar. Where? Lord, renew my conscience. Get it sensitive again. Get it so clean inside that it now, it only takes a little bit of vibration in my life for me to, that's it, Lord, I'm back in. I'm back in, Lord. Yes, Lord, I'm going to keep it in the path. Can you imagine if we had those kind of short accounts? But you have this power to switch your conscience off. How many of you know that? So last scripture and we're out of here. Let's go to Genesis. Then the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? The power to say yes or no is yours to decide. He says to Cain, then the Lord said to Cain, why are you so angry? Why is your face so miserable? If you do what's right, will you not be accepted? But if you don't do what's right, sin is crouching at your door and it desires to have you, but you must master it. Your conscience has a little door to it. 
It has a little door. And every day, things will try and get through the barriers or through the doorway, and it will try and violate. Or things, this doorway, you determine what traffic comes through it. If light and truth are constantly in your conscience, then you will master. You will master things. But if you don't have light and truth coming into your life, darkness will master you. And you'll end up with a miserable face. And you'll end up becoming downcast. And you'll end up committing sin that you can't reverse. So why are you angry? He says, why are you angry? Why are we angry? Because very often there's lies deep within us. There are things that lie deep within us. And we lie. So we're miserable. We're angry with ourselves. We're angry with everybody. Why? Because we're at the bottom of our hearts, there's just lies and deceit. Don't expect a Christian to show love when there's lies and deceit living in the hearts. Yes? They affect the life of a carrier. Lies within you will affect you. It will affect your whole countenance. So he says, so now we see, because what's inside his heart now is now appearing on his face. Why are you so downcast? Why are you looking miserable? So now it's, a, it's an indicator of something's gone wrong inside. His conscience has now been violated. He's got a thought in his mind. His conscience now has been said, he's now miserable. He's affected in his emotions. Yeah? How many of you know lies affect your countenance? Because lies are part of darkness. Now, he had a cloak around him, but God could see what was inside. He had a cloak of darkness around him, but God, through his light, could see what was in Cain's heart. Yes? But Jesus says he wraps himself around us. He wraps himself in light around us. Why? So that you, are, if you're part of him and he's part of you, light. There's a light transfer. If you do what's right, then comes the next question. If you do what's right. So it's a choice. He didn't say when you do what's right, you can't do wrong. He said if you do what's right, then you will be accepted. Will you not be accepted? If you do what's right. Is that not the, is that not the message of our Bible? The message of the gospel is if you do, if you leave your life of sin and follow me and do what's right, you'll, your father will accept you. If you don't do what's right and don't accept him, then your father, come the end of your life, cannot accept you. That's the message of our Bible. Yes? But Jesus Christ did not come into the world to condemn it, but, to, but through him you may have life. And life more abundantly wants you to have it if you do right. So if you do what's right... But, right is not what you always think is right. Right is not about your opinion. Right, true right, is doing what's right in the eyes of God. There's a difference there. Well, I thought I was doing right. That's your opinion. But to do the right that God wants, you have to do it through truth and light. In your conscience, you know how you should respond. You know. You don't need another word to tell you what you already know. You don't need the preacher to come and say, well, I, well Lord, if you speak to me this morning, Lord, I'll do what you, you said. I spoke to you last week, didn't I? Yeah, but I need you to speak to me again this morning. But I spoke to you last. 
last Sunday. I spoke to you yesterday about the situation. The alarm clock's getting dimmer and dimmer and dimmer. Sin is crouching at your door. That was a warning to say your conscience is just about to be violated. And then the rest, it will work its way through your body and then sin creates a spiritual death. How many of you believe you have the power to say yes and no? Your conscience is the light of your body. Guard your heart and mind. Above all else, guard your heart and mind. Because in your heart and mind, truth and light dwell. This is why our society keeps shifting and drifting. Because he doesn't know what truth is anymore. It has no light over the nation. It does whatever it feels is right and appropriate. And what's causing, this is what causes the society to decline. Because values are shifting from generation to generation. And now we get to the point where truth stumbles in the street. Light cannot enter. And a, dark, and a society has a canopy of darkness over it. But you are caused, called by God to not put your light under a bushel, but to shine. Why? Because though society wants to put a blanket of darkness, it's okay. You have to shine from within. It's not what's over us, it's what's rising up in the midst of what's being put over us. Amen? So let's stand to our feet, if you will, please, as we finish. We've had an awful lot spoken today. And you have your choices to make, and I have my choices to make. And the choice to either lead us into Everlast, the path everlasting or to, leave us, to lead us into a path of trouble and hardship it's our choice, it's your choice we've made a choice as a leadership that we're going to keep on speaking like this to you until we see change in our house we will keep on speaking this whole thing of pressing and pushing you know when God spoke to me about this testimony he never talked to me about what he's talking to me now this is something that God's began to show me as, as he see what happens is the word comes first have I obeyed yes. so I took the first step and as I took the first step the next bit of word came why it's now unfolding yes. and as I begin to understand as I begin to understand I begin to see mm-hmm. as I begin to see I begin to appreciate and as I begin to appreciate I begin to guard and protect God's word is unfolding to us about establishing this. This is what God spoke to me. Make sure they establish the testimony of God through everything they do. How do you do that, Lord? Through them pushing, through them pressing, through them pursuing with determination. It's their choice, Tony. And I say, Lord, I want everyone to get in. I want everyone. He said, I wanted everyone to get into the ark, but they wouldn't. I want every man to be saved, but they're not. Isaiah wanted everyone to be saved. He preached to, but they wasn't. Just, and then Mary gives me the word only last year. Timothy, discharge all your duties. I said, what? You didn't say to me about any glory. He said, just discharge your duties. At the end of the day, did you tell them what I wanted to t- you to tell them? Did you teach it? Did you, did you labor? Yes, right then. Then you did your job. The rest was up to me, not you. So I've got to keep on discharging until it's all out. Amen? Amen. So hopefully we'll redecorate this place. With God's word.
Amen. So let's just raise our hands. I would like you, if you can, in your own heart, just to thank God for his word today and say, Lord, a lot's been said. I want my, fill my conscience with light and truth. Show me how to guard my conscience from being violated, from being polluted and contaminated. Teach me your ways. Give me an undivided heart that I may fear your name. For this is what you want for my life. And Lord, this morning, I want it for my life. You saw my life when it was unformed. And you've seen my life, now it is formed. Lord, continue to form, shape my life. So that, so that my life becomes a true reflection of all that has been written and ordained for me in your book. So when I get before you, I become the fulfillment of what has been written about my life. That's a good prayer. That's a good prayer to pray. It's a good confession to make. So Father, cover us now as a house. Lead us and guide us as a family this, this week. Help us to make good choices, right choices, sincere choices, righteous choices. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's give the Lord a standing ovation. <laughs> Will the Lord bless you?